don't worry about other people. Hmm. I used to get, I used to get bogged down with that in the beginning of my company um, because I was, I would see other people running startups that were getting more attention, more publicity. I'd be like, they're not doing anything. Like I'm here slaving away 22 hours a week, you know, 22 hours a day, all this stuff. And I'm like, no one even care about me. And, you know, they're out partying on the weekends and, you know, they're barely doing anything and they're getting published in this media block. Mm. And then I really realized behind the scenes, I was like, it's all a facade. Mm. You know, now, now it's like, you know, five years after that, it's like, look what it came to. My eight years, nine years of no one paying attention to me is now paying off. Hey everyone, this is Devin Miller here with another episode of The Inventive Journey. I'm your host, Devin Miller, the serial entrepreneur that's uh, grown uh, several startups into seven and eight figure businesses. Coming up on nine figures on one of them, so exciting. And uh, and I'm also the CEO and founder of Miller IP Law, where we help startups and small businesses with their patents and trademarks. And if you ever need help with yours, just go to Miller IP Law and uh, or go to strategymeeting.com and grab some time with us to chat. Now today we have another great uh, guest on the podcast, Nick, and I'm going to, I'm worried I'm going to slaughter the last name. So I'm calling him Nick C, even because the name is much longer. He can tell me how to pronounce it when, uh, when he joins in just a second. Um, but Nick is, um, has been in the music industry for about, about nine years, kind of in, got involved originally as a freshman in high school, um, lost his dad, um, was looking and then was uh, looking to kind of rent a venue for a concert to raise some money for cancer awareness, which is where he lost his dad from. Um, first year it failed, um, but learned a lot of things from it. And then the second year came back, was much more successful. And by the end of, I think by the end of high school, they were doing something like 75 concerts a year, then went off to college, saw that there, or went off to school, college, university, um, saw that there are still some common problems within the industry, within the music industry, decided that there was a better way that he could solve some of those. So came up with um, kind of a software or software solution, started out in 2017, and then has been building it ever since and growing it. So with that much as an introduction, welcome on the podcast, Nick. Thank you. No, thank you for having me, man. So, and I, I, I've hunted cause I was, I usually, I try and tackle last days, but it was one that scared me off. So how do you actually <laughs> pronounce or pronounce the last name? So it's, it's a lot easier than it looks. Um, it's Chanfioni. All right. That, that does sound, that does sound easier than what it looks like. So. <laughs> yes. All right. Well, now with that out of the way, so take us back a little bit in time. So in high school, kind of a freshman in high school, loss of the dad kind of tell us how that kind of, first of all, condolences for the loss of your dad. And then tell us how do you know, kind of set you on, on a trajectory to where you're at today. Yeah, yeah no, 100%. And yeah, so pretty much after that, I got uh, deeply involved in Relay for Life, which was a huge charity event that, you know, was was predominant in Connecticut. Um, and it definitely is predominant in a lot of other places, but it was very predominant in Connecticut. And um, my freshman year, we were absolutely getting, you know, losing to this other team. And I was like, guys, we haven't, you know, I was doing this since, you know, probably middle school and stuff like that. And I was like, guys, we've never lost. Like, we've always been the highest donors. And I was like, what are we doing here? And uh, this other team was, you know, having like wine nights and stuff. And I was like, guys, we can't just host a bake sale. We can't host a car wash. We can't be those normal people. And uh, I was like, you know, let's, there's an old music venue in our town. Let's throw a party. And uh, that was how it all started. I, you know, first year I 
tried to throw a party. Um, ended up the same night as my high school had prom and about 10 of my friends showed up. Um, <laughs> that, that's which, probably not the best timing. Just as heads yeah. when I laugh, but yeah. if you're going to throw a party competing with is probably a hard way to start out. Yeah. Yeah. That was definitely, that was definitely not the best way to start out. Um, you know, looking back, maybe we should have even marketed as an anti-prom and, you know, really, really. That's where, should, maybe that's where you should have gone. And everybody that didn't <laughs> want to go to a prom, you could have had a great yeah. party. Yeah, exactly. But, uh, you know, went back to school, obviously being a freshman, you know, you're obviously the underdog already. And, you know, everyone kind of looked at me like, oh, look at this kid completely failed. And I was like, I'm going to show all these kids. And, uh, you know, ended up coming back the next year to the same exact music venue, kind of, you know, got my shit together, started learning, uh, you know, little things about, you know, how concerts work, promoters, um, you know, the marketing side of things, setting up Instagram pages, reaching outside of just my town, you know, all that stuff. And um, I ended up, the the big selling point was it was when EDM was on the come up and I bought about a hundred pounds of neon paint powder. And uh, we had neon paint powder. We had fire extinguishers with neon paint powder in it, just the whole nine yards. Mm. And uh, ended up hosting this massive glow party and ended up selling out in like a week. And I remember sitting there just at the end of the night and I was like, dude, this was sick. And um, at that point I was like, there's no way I'm working you know, a normal job, you know, at that point when you're 15, 16, everyone's looking at, you know, the normal high school jobs, you know, the working at McDonald's, working at my town, there was a West Marine, which is a boat store. So like, you know, everyone worked there, working at the local coffee shop or Starbucks or Dunkin'. And I was like, I'm going to host concerts for a living. <laughs> and um, that's literally what I did at 16. I opened up my first LLC and I just started, you know, hosting concerts all across Connecticut um and then by the time I went to school I was like I need to get into something else um and I got deeply ingrained in music marketing and because I had all those connections from the concerts Hmm. and um after that was when I started realizing how screwed up the music industry was and that was and before we dive into that so just kind of going on high school so you did this all four years you're in high school is that right yes yep all four years through high school so now, was it, did it become, was it all for charity? Was, you know, not a right or wrong answer. Was it all for charity and, hey, we're going to keep doing it? Did you expand out and you actually made an income, made a business, and was, it was profitable? Or kind of how did that portion go? So the, the first four concerts were charity. And then after that, I was like, I want to do this for a job. And I was going to non-for-profit it. And I was like, this was just, it was too complicated being a 16-year-old to go through that route. And I was like, look, I'm opening up an LLC. I came up with... I, I named the company Northeastern Entertainment Solutions because I was like, look, that is such a legit name. No one's going to question that it's a 16-year-old running this thing. And, um, you know, it's not like all the classic names, like super lit parties. And um, I was like, Northeastern Entertainment Solutions. Like, I had like gold lettering and all this stuff. I was like, no one's even going to notice. And, um, and yeah, that, that was how it started. That's what the actual for-profit company was. Um, and every year, a part of that, I would run, you know, one concert. So there's definitely more, maybe six or seven. Um, I would run as, you know, a charity event. Um, Mm -hmm. most of them were for profit. Um, and yeah, how I, you know, paid my way, you know, through high school, got my first car with it, got, you know, everything just through hosting concerts. So, so 
that, that first of all, kudos to you. I always, I wish I did. I was an entrepreneur in high school, but never to the point that I did a, a, a full on business. I always thought it was interesting. I always loved it. And that, and I, I did it later when I got into college, especially in the graduate school, but kudos yeah. to you, first of all, to first of all, get knocked down as a freshman, get back up and actually mm-hmm. turn this around and make it profitable. I think is awesome. And that's always what I'd love my kids to kind, kind of have that entrepreneur bug yeah. and, and want to do that. But so then you, so you build the business, you do it for four years, you, you know, you're able to get a car, get, save up some money for college, have some spending money for dates or whatnot, and you go off to college. So did you kind of just, once you hit your senior year, shut it down? Did you keep doing it? Somebody buy it, buy you out or kind of how did that go? And now that you went off to college? So it started going downhill the end of my senior year. Um, mm-hmm. and I started getting, you know, focused on a lot of other things. And also, you know, concerts really have a four-year run. Um, mm-hmm. And then, you know, you got to change out and get, you know, new things together. And I also learned, you know, kind of my second lesson in business, you know, first one was timing is everything as I learned with prom. Second mm-hmm. lesson I learned is if you chase money, the money won't come. And that was the reason the concert company really started declining for me because it started turning away from as I got older and, you know, actually started caring about revenue. That's when it started turning from, hey, let's, you know, just host the biggest concert ever and whatever we make, we make. And then it started turning into like, okay, how much revenue can we make out of this concert? And that was for me when ticket sales started declining and when things started declining and I was like, okay, I need to totally go back to the drawing board and figure out what I'm doing. Um, And when I built my second company, I didn't care about the money. And that was when the marketing company grew so quickly for me because I just chased building the thing with the biggest value. And at the early days of the concert company, I was the same way. Um, I just chased the biggest way to make the best concert ever, not care about how much money I made. Um, and so, yeah, that's, that's why I started getting out of the concerts at the end was it just started going downhill. And I realized, you know, I was, I was at my time, you know, I was like, all right, I did this for four years, you know, now it's time to bounce into something else. Um, because I think, you know, kind of going off that quickly, I think that's the third lesson of entrepreneurship, which is you got to know when to walk away. And I, I knew at that point, I was like, look, now it's time to walk away. No, and I, I would caveat it with one thing. I don't think chasing money is anything wrong with it, but it shouldn't be your main pursuit, right? Every yeah. business, in the end of the day, is still you still need to make a paycheck. You still have to live off of it. And if you're in the business, but to your point, if all you're doing is chasing money, meaning, hey, what's the way that I can make the most money? Then you start to lose the passion, loses the fun and the excitement, and then you're not going to perform as well. I mean, that's why, you know, as an entrepreneur, there's people, and I'm probably a little bit in the same camp, that once you build a business to a degree, when it starts to be more of a full-on business, it loses some of the excitement because you're not building things, you're not figuring it out, you're not doing things. And so I think that, the, you know, kind of to add on to that, finding the things that you're passionate about and be able to continue to find a way now, things that you're excited and you're passionate about, figure out how to make money off of it, but not focus mm-hmm. on that money aspect to the point that now that what you're chasing is the money, not the fun and the excitement. So yeah. So now you go off to college and you say, okay, I've, I've, you know, done some success or successful venues. I'm going to get an education. You're going to, you know, you go and do that for a problem with school or you see that problem as you continue with school. Now, how did you kind of decide, um, you know, to get into the next thing of tackling those problems, you know, software solution, doing those type of things. Did you come right out of school? Did you drop out of school? Did you come right out of school? Did you dive into that directly? Or did you kind of go work for corporate or work for the man, so to speak, and do that for a period of time? Or kind of, how did you make that transition out of school to now what you're doing? Yeah, so I've actually joined the the long list of entrepreneurs that have dropped out to pursue their dreams. 
Mm -hmm. Um, And we'll see which list of those I end up in, the list that (laughs) dropped out and then went back, or the list that dropped out and made it happen. Um, One is much shorter than the other. Um, (laughs) So, but yeah, so I got into it basically when I was running the marketing company, I wanted to come up with a tech solution for the marketing company that basically was a data analytics tool. And I had all these other ideas, like cool programs and stuff for the music industry, but I'm not a tech guy. And so I hired a development firm to kind of build this tool. About halfway in, we had the tool idea, and then we had the kind of the byproducts of it. And we realized that the main tool was not going to be feasible. We just were not able to collect the data we needed. Mm -hmm. And um, so, but the byproducts started getting me curious. Mm. And I started looking into that more. And that was when Artist Public started to form, because I was like, this doesn't exist. And really what it was, was I had to take a step back. I basically looked at all my ideas of cool websites for the music industry. And I was like, they'd be decent as standalone products. But if we built them all into one website, Mm. and it was one website that offered all these individual services, now that would be a million dollar idea. Mm. And so that's what I started working on, was bringing all these things, because they all were basically the same themes. tech website to help a music artist do this one thing. Mm. And I was like, okay, but if we just combine them to do it all, mm. well, then that's, that's, that's the company. Um, it kind of goes back to like what, you know, people get shut down a lot on Shark Tank, but they're like, you have a, you know, you have a product, not a business. Mm. Um, and, By the way, I love, I love Shark Tank. So thanks for the yeah. reference. I think I've watched every episode. So I was there since the beginning. But yeah. anyway, go, not to interrupt your journey. Exactly. With the Shark Tank and, and that's a big point. It's like you have a product, not a business. And there's a lot of, you know, a lot of those things I had were products or digital mm. services, not a business. When I put them all together, I was like, okay, now we have a business. Mm. Um, you know, like Amazon is not just a marketplace. It's a web hosting company. It's everything. Oh, mm. I just lost slides. <laughs> there we go all right um, we, we just we'll call that a, a nice uh strobing effect or color yeah effect. yeah <laughs> i'm still figuring out the lighting switches in the new office <laughs> so so now you say okay i've got now a product as opposed to business and i don't know if there's anything wrong with a product but you have to understand that that's what you're at you're not a full-on business exactly. you have to be a product and sometimes you can sell a lot snuggy they were a product company but they sold a lot of Snuggies and they made a lot of money, but they were still one, they were a product business, right? In the sense that they, or they were a product because once everybody had their Snuggie or was going to buy it, they went, you know, they went on, I don't know where they're at now. Maybe they're still in business, but they certainly were not the same as what they were before. Oh, yeah. And so I think that finding out what a business is, is a full on business instead of a product definitely makes sense. So you figure that out, you continue to build. So I think you started in 2017, built in 2018 and 19, and then you've really launched, you know, last year. Right. And then that's really where you guys yeah. have got traction. And so as you've launched, as you've kind of now got your business in place, how has that gone so far? You're in new, you're in new offices. You just moved in, but kind of how has that build gone? Has it been a hockey stick straight to the top, and you're already a million dollar company, still figuring things out, starting to get clients on? Or tell us a little bit about that. So it was. It's kind of been a for anyone who can see my face. It's been a ziggy zaggy. <laughs> um, you know, I, I think I like to compare it as like people there's there's like they always say like there's like you know success what people think it looks like and then you know what what it actually is but i think it's deeper than that it's like you know you have like a flat line of like what the public sees 
Mm-hmm. And then you're working your butt off behind here. And then the public starts to see it go up, but then you're still going through hell <laughs> behind the scenes. And that's kind of the point that we're at right now. You know, we had between January and May of 2020 um, was when it was really behind the scenes. It was just starting to get publicized. People were just starting to talk about it. Um, we had a lucky go with, with an investor off the bat that really, you know, positioned us strong. And then over the past three months, that now it's been public eye shooting up. And then we're still, you know, in that startup phase. You know, it's literally just been a year since launch. We launched our alpha in January. We launched our beta in May. So it hasn't even been a year since we launched our beta. Um, and so it's been, it's been a rocky road, mainly just because of how quickly we launched. And a lot of times with marketplaces, with tech companies, you have to launch quickly. Um, a lot of competition enters very quickly. It's very easy for companies to, you know, there's no IP really in tech on the lawyer side. Uh, you know, there's really not a lot of IP in tech and, you know, it's very easy for people to dupe, uh, your platforms. And so, you know, unlike a lot of other companies where you can kind of like take your time to launch, promote, bootstrap with tech companies and, you know, especially tech marketplaces, there is no time to bootstrap. It's like, you got to bootstrap it for maybe five months and then you have to get a lot of capital very quickly and you just have to grow it very rapidly. And that's kind of the point where we're at right now, where we're in, you know, capital growing publicity. And then we're trying to catch the platform up to that capital, to the publicity and, um, you know, really get it cranking um, because you really have to build a 10 year company in six months. <laughs> and that's that, but that's the kind of the fun of it for me in the sense that you have to figure yeah. it out, you know. And there's, you know, I think that it's one where, you know, if it was any other way, it wouldn't be as exciting and fun. But I always like, you know, it's always, a, you know, 10 years, 10 years, you know, overnight success, 10 years in the making, in the sense that it yeah. always feels like everybody's like, oh, this was, you know, you just got lucky and you got overnight success. And it's like, no, if you were to really look back at your journey, you started in the music industry as a freshman in high school, a lot of the experience you built and you gained, and you continued to build on top of that. You went to school, you continued to build on top of that. And then you got the software platform and then you had to figure out how to make a business as a hopeful business, not as a product. And so it's all of that is a, you know, kind of, but you only get to see that last six months or whatever it is till the, it takes off and it starts to do well. So, but that's a, that's a fun place to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So now as we catch up, that kind of brings us up to today and a little bit of looking into the future as you kind of now are in that trajectory of building it, getting as many users, getting, you know, kind of building the platform and getting that, you know, threshold amount of people that make it now sustainable. As you go through that, you know, I always transition. I always have two questions I ask towards the end of the podcast. We'll jump to those a bit now. So the first question I always ask is, so along your journey, what was the worst business decision you ever made and what did you learn from it? Worst business decision I ever made was actually when I was, well, I was probably been a couple recently, but those are, those are, I feel like definitely confidential. Um, <laughs> don't, um, don't break any confidentiality. Yeah, I don't want to get you sued. Um, but the one I know I can say is uh, when I was a junior in high school, it was the first time I was like, this was when it started getting you know crazy for me. Um, and things started getting stressful with concerts because I tried to expand. I was like, look, we host concerts from March through April. Um, and then we host them or March through the beginning of May. And then we host them September through the first week of December. Mm-hmm. I was like, let's add 
a uh, winter uh, summer series. I was like, no one has anything to do with the summer. Let's launch a summer series. And uh, I lost the most money I ever lost probably in, you know, the history of, you know, that time um, in that summer. And because I never went into the summer before, I never hosted a concert in the summer before. I never knew what the market was. And I just went in with literally signed deals. I just went hard. I was like, we're going to sign a show every other week. We're going to host a show every other week. And at the end of the year, we're going to host a mini festival. Hmm. And everything bombed. And I remember just sitting in, you know, the green room at the end of the festival with the venue owner just breaking down. I was like, I don't know what to do. I just completely bombed. And, uh, you know, it was really just that decision of like, I infiltrated a market that I wasn't ready for. I didn't have any experience in it. I didn't have any research on it. I didn't do anything prior experience. I was like, well, the concerts work in April, so they must work in August. I was wrong. Hey, that that is a, I, I like that as a but it, I think there's a, a story to learn from that in the sense that you know you, sometimes you get complacent or you think you know more than you do right you get into industries and it's maybe it's a vertical or maybe it's building onto it and you just get a, a sense of complacency or comfort that oh I can do this I know what I'm doing without really diving in doing the research and yet sometimes sometimes you get lucky and you're right and you, you can do it but other times if you don't do the research you don't know what you're doing you can certainly have those harsh repercussions so uh, yeah. I like the idea of you know doing a bit of homework knowing your market knowing what you're doing and be able to understand it so that it can increase the odds of success doesn't guarantee the success yeah. but it definitely increases the odds so as we jumped now to the second question which is so now if you were um you're talking to somebody that's just getting into a startup or a small business <laughs> what would be the one piece of advice you'd give them don't worry about other people hmm I used to get, I used to get bogged down with that in the beginning of my company um, because I was, I would see other people running startups that were getting more attention, more publicity. And I'd be like, they're not doing anything. Like I'm here slaving away 22 hours a week, you know, 22 hours a day, all this stuff. And I'm like, no one even care about me. And, you know, they're out partying on the weekends and, you know, they're barely doing anything and they're getting published in this media block. Mm -hmm. And then I really realized behind the scenes, I was like, it's all a facade. Mm. you know now now it's like you know five years after that it's like look what it came to my eight years nine years of no one paying attention to me is now paying off and you know their nine years of faking it is catching up to them and I think that can always be a lesson is like don't just focus on you your success your goals um and it'll get there and then I think the the the, the last piece of that going off the goals is it's very easy to look at running a company as this big thing mm. and it's scary it's daunting you know you look at everything you have to do and you know even to what we're doing right now or like I look at like our goals for the year and I'm like this is huge like this is huge it's not 100x it's not 1000x I think we're close to like 10,000x we have to grow this year mm. and that sounds huge until you break it down to each month you know, like, okay, I just have to be 10% better than last month. I have to be 50% better than last month. And that then breaks down to, okay, today, I just have to be 2% better than I was yesterday. 1%, half a percent. And if you're able to break it down to a month, if you're able to take a year goal, you know, four or five yearly goals, break them down into micro goals, and then break them down into daily goals. You're going to hit those goals. But if you look at it as a yearly goal, you're never going to do it. No, I, and I like both of those pieces. I even like, I, you know, maybe to tag on to the first piece of advice, you know, there's always 
it's, it's good to know what your competition is doing in the sense that if you're trying to be or can maintain a competitive edge, understand where the market's at, not a, a problem to understand what the competition's doing. But on the other hand, there's a difference between comparing yourself, especially saying, oh, I'm the C, you know, I'm, I'm this position. Why is this person doing better? Because one is yeah. to your point, there's a facade. There's a lot of times we, we see now social media, we see the highlight reels and you don't ever see what's going on underneath. Sometimes they are putting in a ton of time and effort and just looks like they're not doing much. And other times they're not doing much. And then you're saying you kind of almost get that jealousy factor of why am I putting all this time and effort? Why am I not more successful than them when they're not putting it? And either of them can be detrimental because one, they're, they may be out working you. Maybe they're working a hundred hours and they just make it look easy or you don't see the hundred hours behind the scene or yeah. they're not working very much and they're not building something that's sustainable. But because you're trying to compare yourself to them, you start to go ra- down routes or avenues that, aren't beneficial to you that don't or don't build your business so they don't grow so i think that that is a definitely a good piece of advice well as we wrap up so if people want to reach out to they want to be a customer they want to be a client they want to be an investor they want to be an employee they want to be your next best friend any or all of the above what's the best way to reach out and find out more yeah so if you want to learn about the platform it's artist republic with a k.com artist republic on everything on socials um, if you want to find me, I'm on LinkedIn. Um, you can probably, my name's probably in the description of this. So you can copy my name. Um, you find me on LinkedIn, shoot me a message. Just tell me why, like what's up. Um, I get a lot of random people connecting with me on a daily basis. Um, and, uh, yeah, no, I mean, connect with me, whatever. I'm always down to talk. I love just networking with people. That's just what I do. Um, you know, you just want to hop on a 15 minute call. You're like, Hey, Nick, I heard your podcast and I just want to talk to you about startups. That's fine. Just shoot me a message and be straight up. Um, you know, that's, that's what I'm here for. So yeah, no, that's pretty much it. You want to find anything on the platform, artistpublic.com or artistpublic on any socials, me, Nick Champione on LinkedIn. All right. And that's just a reminder. It's Artist Republic with a K instead of a C to make sure people get that straight. But mm-hmm. I think that that's a great offer. I definitely encourage people to check or check out the platform, uh, become a subscriber, be a supporter, and also reach out to Nick for any questions you might have. So now as we wrap up, thank you again, Nick, for coming on the podcast. For all of you that are listeners, if you have uh, your own journey to tell and you want to come on the podcast and share it, feel free to go to inventiveguest.com and apply to be on the show um, if you have a journey to tell. Also, as a, as a listener, make sure to uh, click subscribe on any of your podcast players so you know when all the awesome episodes come out and leave us a review so everybody else can find us as well and check out the po- awesome uh, awesome podcast as well. Last but not least, if you ever need help with your intellectual property, patents, trademarks, or business or anything else, feel free to go to strategymeeting.com, grab some time with us. We're always happy to chat. Thank you again, Nick. It's been a fun. It's been a pleasure. And wish the next leg of your journey even better than the last. Thank you. It was awesome.